This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Leah Davidov who is a collegiate tennis player and she actually now works alongside Tennis.com developing tennis content. So Leah, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So you managed to play tennis in college, which I am assuming is university for those that are not in the, the US, is that right? Yes, exactly. Um, I had a couple of Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three offers and ultimately wanted to make a name for myself in Division Three. So what was it like for you starting in tennis? I'm picturing it being a young sport. How did you start playing? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I technically started late for my age. I didn't come out of the womb holding a racket like normally the pros do on tour. Um, but it started out very recreational for me. And I want to say about nine, 10 years old, I really started getting competitive and moving up into uh, more suitable clubs for my skill level. And since then, it's kind of been a love-hate uphill battle relationship, but it's been the best and worst grind of my life. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. It gives the impression that you have to try and open the doors yourself and that you've got to work pretty hard on and off the court while also trying to play in tournaments, competitions, try and get to know the right people. Share a bit about that. Absolutely. Tennis is a very unique sport where it's so individualized. Even when you play doubles or on a team, it comes back to you and how you're performing that day. Um, and so it, it builds a different kind of character. During the week, you're playing with a bunch of players that over the weekend you're trying to beat. So it's really difficult socially, mentally, emotionally. Um, and you just have to learn to be your biggest advocator to know that you're going to be the one dictating how the match is going, how you're going to handle things. And that segues into every part of your career and every part of your life moving forward. So going to college, um, it wasn't just about performing my best on court and making sure that I'm training the way I want to, but also academically making sure that I'm going for the classes I want to take. I'm putting in the amount of effort that I want to see the results for and socially um you know putting myself in those situations where maybe I'm a little uncomfortable but I'm meeting the best people out of it that makes me think actually of tennis or playing any sport really is like a full-time job isn't it because you still have to study and play at the same time Absolutely. That's one of the factors that I went D3 also is because as much as I love tennis, I was very realistic knowing that I wasn't going to pursue a professional career afterwards. And I had other goals outside of the sport going into college, for example, personally and socially and academically, like I mentioned before, I really wanted to test myself on all accounts and and being able to have that work-life balance with tennis uh, was definitely key for that to happen. So what will be your like typical day when you were playing? So I know you may or may not play now, but when you were playing, what was your day like? Is it like 3 a.m. starts and 10 a.m. going to bed, that sort of thing? What was your, your day typically like? 
Thankfully, there were no 3 a.m. wake up calls. I think the earliest was about 5, 5.30, probably slept until 5.30. Um, but there was at least my morning definitely started with tennis and training. Um, and I always gave a little bit of an extra push just because of the athletic goals that I did have and what I wanted, the standard that I wanted to set for myself. Um, after that, there were a set number of courses and, you know, homework and things like that, that I would have to get done. That would take about six to eight hours of my day. Obviously there's food and, you know, recovery and things that go into it also. Um, and then I also was very active in clubs and I had about five internships. I want to say at one point, um, that were all keeping me busy. So it was just about delegating those and the extracurriculars and the social life. Um, so I would just make sure to see and meet up with people for food or afterwards and to study just so I wouldn't be isolating myself completely and everything else. So when you're like preparing for, let's say, competition, do things change or are you just consistent? Because I'm picturing like most most sports may usually be try to peak for competition they try to up things tone things down in some ways how do you plan for tennis and competing when you could potentially be playing every week and while traveling as well traveling must take a toll at the same time talk to us a bit about how things shift when you're competing absolutely that's a great question um uh there's an off season and an on season at least in tennis um our even during the off season, we're still competing, but we just know that there's an end point to the season. And at one point it becomes um, a personal choice, whether you're training and competing or um, practicing. So for me, it was very much the mindset going into the semester, knowing that um, I had tougher competition versus lesser. Um, and it's, always about my how my mental game plays into it so knowing that a big match is coming up by the week before I'm already planning ahead and getting myself in the right zone mentality mentally wise um, just because that's the biggest factor at least in my game and I assume across tennis um, is to make sure that you're feeling your best and believing in yourself the most and are confident in what you can bring to the table knowing that the circumstance of the match is very much up for grabs and the momentum shifts constantly. Um, but that's always in the back of my head. I wouldn't say my uh, routine changes too often. I'll probably be keeping the my busiest days earlier in the week. That way, towards the match, I can focus more on tennis and maybe give an hour or two more of training. Um, but otherwise, it's it's a mental fight from there. No, what I quite like about yourself, Leah, is that you've actually understood that the personal brand, the content, the doing things outside of tennis was important. So how did you come up with that? Where did you get that idea from? Why did you think, okay, I need to start building a personal brand around the tennis? Uh, it actually was when COVID hit and my playing career shut down. It was a really difficult six months. The world actually shut down the day that I was supposed to face my rival. And I kid you not, I was playing the best tennis of my life, which is still frustrating to think about to this day. But um, I say that with a smile on my face now, um, <laughs> because after the six month lull and, you know, and getting through it, I, I started realizing that my entire college 
timetable just shifted dramatically. I I was uh, halfway through my sophomore year and suddenly there were no more college. Everything that I wanted to go to that school for was basically thrown out the window and I had to make massive adjustments. And the only way that I knew how to do that was to start thinking ahead and how can I get to the next step of life and feel good there. Um, So I started writing about um, my journey being a student athlete who couldn't quote unquote athlete anymore. Um, I ended up getting that published in a New York tennis magazine and had a few more articles published with them also during the pandemic. And then it was an aha moment for me. You know, I have this passion for tennis and I'm, I'm a professional writer by trade. Why not combine the two? Um, And it was kind of this beautiful awakening. And since that happened, I want to say it was January, 2021, Um, the goal shifted from, okay, I want to experience everything and have these many internships and, and meet these many people and play this well on court to, I want to get to tennis channel and I want to keep playing as much as I can and enjoy it as I get back on court and whatever time I have left there. But my focus shifted in terms of writing and very directed towards sports. Um, so it was a very sudden, drastic, crazy change to make at like 19, 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. um, but I really started thinking ahead and I wanted to get to that next step so that I would be comfortable enough to continue my social goals and my academic goals and my my learning and, and just continue to be in the sport. It was it was like, okay, this is the next place that I have to be in order to continue learning more about what I want to do in myself. Um, And it wasn't until I got to Tennis Channel that I realized that I could actually do what I set my mind to, as crazy and cliche as that sounds. Like, I really believed I could get there. And I I opened the door for myself. And I just keep doing that with my career goals now, too. You know, my mind keeps turning. I'm a creative person. And I just keep thinking of these creative ways to break into the industry. And I'm not afraid, or I I should say I'm no longer as afraid uh, to go for it um, and to put myself out there because there's it's not a no until it is. You know, it's worth the shot. Talk to us a bit about after you made the decision. So let's say you want to go for this opportunity you want to strive to achieve this thing where do you go from there is it like research mode is it you're trying to find the right people trying to you know talk to us a bit about that because there'll be some people that might have a goal they might want to do something and then they don't really know what the next steps are they don't know where to go from there so help those people out Absolutely. Um, I think it started for me, mind you, this was now junior year that I was really headset focused on Tennis Channel. And I graduated early for my class, so my time was dwindling fast. Um, I It started off with researching Tennis Channel um, on LinkedIn, seeing who's working there, what who I need to talk to, who I can reach out to. I did message a few people um, telling them that I love what they're doing and that I'd love to learn more about what's going on there. And, you know, you get sometimes it's like vague responses in return just to be polite. Sometimes you don't hear anything at all, but it starts circulating your name. And suddenly all of my socials were very much tennis oriented. And I was suddenly getting 
information from the media about what was happening in the tennis world. Um, and I was tuning into more tennis specific uh, events and reading more about what was going on. And that was just because of my personal interest, but also because I knew if I wanted to take the shot, I needed to be a little bit more knowledgeable than simply my passion for the sport and choosing my favorite players and watching the matches during the slams. Um, so it definitely started out with reaching out and creating this tennis bubble on my phone um, because my phone is and my computer I mean even school whatever like that's your livelihood at this point um, so it definitely started there um, I in terms of the work that I did I very much um, continued to do all of the writing things on hand that I was already doing I think I added one or two more gigs uh, while I was working that were more tailored to sports. So I had this social media marketing internship with a sports-themed uh, managing company. When I say sports-themed, it just means that all of the people working there, including the founders, were were all with tennis, or sorry, with all with sport backgrounds. Um, and they all played in college. And, you know, we just created a different mindset. Um, and we did have sport accounts and I did get to be more on the writing end as opposed to the media end, but I, I learned a lot from there too. And that's when I really started honing in on, on getting experience specifically in sports and pushing myself out of my comfort zone there. Um, and I want to say about six to seven months later, definitely into 2021 at this point, um, I started looking for job applications for Tennis Channel specifically, and even ESPN and all of these major sports networks, um, seeing what the options were, how can I bring my value forward in tennis, especially if it's not Tennis Channel or tennis specific sports networks, how can I prove myself worthy of opportunities that are outside the sport that I'm most comfortable with. I, I do follow football and basketball and all of that fun stuff, but you know, tennis is my bread and butter for a reason. And uh, there's a reason my eye was on tennis channel. Um, and it was a week after my birthday, I want to say that I submitted a job application to their first opening that I had seen since my heart was set on tennis channel. And it was for a job that I was not qualified for. Let me just be very, very blunt about that. <laughs> I was not qualified, but I submitted my resume. I'm, you know, I was very kind about it. I got an interview. Um, and knowing that I was coming in against people probably around my age, probably more qualified, very much wanting this specific role. Um, I just made it very apparent that I am passionate about the sport. I'm passionate about them. And I'm pretty sure that I said something like, you're going to need me one day. Um, I'm coming for you. I'm going to work for you someday. Um, just keep, you know, like if it's not this, it's you're going to see me again. You know, you're going to have to have me at some point. So it's your choice if it's this role or not. Um, obviously in better terms that were nicer and more positive, but, you know, and not scary, but, um, definitely I, I set, um, I set a standard. I told them that I'm coming for them. I ended up getting the next interview after that. Um, and again, you know, gave my passionate plea about tennis and my, my, my enjoyment of tennis channel. Um, I did get turned down for that role. Um, but a week before I submitted my final exam, the person who interviewed me in the first um, round 
ended up emailing me a job offer, not another interview, but literally offered me a job for a different role that had just opened up. There were no, you know, advertisements or any job applications open online. He literally emailed me out of nowhere and said, Hey, if you want it, it's yours. I thought it was spam at I didn't, I didn't end up looking into it until like the week later. And I was like, wait, this is more recent. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's, it's all about going for it. And I warned them that I was coming for them. So it's better that they let me in than me breaking down the door. (laughs) (laughs) It's making me think as well, you, you potentially underqualified, you are passionate about the company, passionate about the network, passionate about all of those other things. How did you stand out because the thing that stuck in my mind was being deserving of the opportunities I can't tell you how many times I've seen people so adamant that they want to do something without doing their legwork first without having the experience under their belt and I think that your experience actually goes against that slightly but makes more sense than just feeling like you're entitled to a job or a career or a business or success as opposed to working for it so when you're in the interview and you're sat there in front of them what do you do what kind of questions do you ask how do you respond what kind of things allowed you to convince them essentially that you could step into the shoes that they wanted filling. Right. I was very nervous because all of the experience that I had while, you know, I had five or six writing things at one point and I was very on hands-on in college in terms of clubs and experiences. Um they were not tennis specific and they were not sports related. One of them was a jewelry thing. Another one was for food. You know, I was very much all over the place and I didn't have much social media marketing background. I'm very much a writer and I'm a creative person. Um, So I kind of tuned into my strengths. I said, listen, all these people trusted me, you know, Um, I'm, you know, I'm very well liked over there. I know when it comes to tennis, what's going on, the lay of the land. And I know that I can do something great here. Uh, If there's one thing that I trust in this world, it is my writing. It is my brain, my heart and my writing. Um, And I, I just gave the best pitch that I possibly could, because even with experience under your belt, it's it's also about the people you know on the inside and about you know your passion for the business every time you hear someone motivating you or you know talking about how far they've come it was always about you know trying to find your way in knowing that there might be more qualified people out there um and it's about learning your strengths and knowing what you offer and the the team atmosphere that you can build and that you want to be a part of Um, And the questions in return were if it was a right fit for me, you know, I started very much part time freelance with them just to see if it was a fit on both ends. Yeah, I was very passionate and I wanted to get my foot in the door. But what if it wasn't the right uh, fit for me? What if I didn't enjoy the company? What if it wasn't everything that I wanted it to be and more, you know, Um, you have this whole idea of what the work life would be. Um, And you get very excited imagining yourself being there. But until you're there, you don't know. And it's same goes for them. You know, you have this passionate young girl coming out of college who loves tennis, who's a writer, who who's very adaptable to your work style and your um, company culture. But maybe she's a little bit 
different or maybe it's not the right fit or you can't communicate well or she's unreliable or you know there's there's it's on both ends it was a trial period for the both of us um and it's it's always a learning curve and with every new job or experience or thing that you want to try you have to learn along the way even all the tennis that I thought I knew there was plenty more to discover um going into it and even now almost two years into my work with tennis channel my role has changed significantly for the better um but changed significantly to the point where I'm still learning new things and I still have to change the way my day goes about in order to keep up with everything and be ahead of the curve it sounds like you've had to develop something not quite sure what it is maybe you can elaborate on this but something that allows you to figure something out whether it's on the spot or just about how time to think before you respond sort of thing you've had to build this ability to think on the spot and do things in the moment because some things happen randomly some things happen on the spot that you have to deal with handle and respond to how do you build that skill what is it what is it that allows you to do that that's a very good question and I think it is the key to understanding yourself and the type of person that you want to be and the life that you want to set for yourself I think that it comes down to trust you have to trust in yourself to know what you're doing you have to trust that you put yourself in the room where you can be of value. You have to trust that when you speak your mind, you're going to say it um, eloquently and passionately and determinedly, not question, not leaving room for question or insecurities or a lack of confidence. You have to trust that the people around you are going to respect your opinion and want to hear it and value your presence. And it, and all of that trust, that that self belief that you should be in the room that you put yourself in, allows you to take those risks and to be a little bit pushy, even though you might think it's annoying. Um, for me, at least, I have very, I have very big goals, specifically in the tennis world, but also outside of it and in and in my career and what I see that I can achieve. Um, and I've learned to when to push a little bit more, when to tell them like, hey, my I'm going on this path, but you seem to be straying a little bit more this way. How can we come in the middle and we both win from it? Because I don't want to. It's a give and take. Um, and it's it's always that back and forth. But there's also that other flip side where, you know, you push a little bit too much and you might start to sound annoying. Um, and you learn this very quickly. Um, the more you put yourself out there um, and it gets easier over time. I've definitely found that balance where I know when to push with who to push and also when to kind of take a backseat and to be a little more of the listener and less of the talker. Um, but it's it's a give and take. And if you see that there's room for yourself, you have to go for it. How do you recognize when to 
given when to take it seems like you've got a pretty good sense of a person that you're speaking to a situation that you're in is it just a gut feeling and how do you allow yourself to believe that because some people will have a feeling and ignore it they'll think something's going to go this way and they'll kind of let it go that way even if they don't want it to how do you navigate that yeah I will say that across every company I've worked for and with, um, they do a very good job of making me feel comfortable and reassuring me that like I'm valued and that I have a place there and that they want to hear my opinions. So coming in as a really young woman in sport, I'm very eager to, you know, feel like I have this place and like this safe zone to be able to raise my opinion and speak up and be a collaborative voice. Um, so it it might be a little naive and it probably was, but because I felt like there was such a compatible culture around me and the people who are seasoned in this industry wanted to liked my presence, um, I felt very comfortable speaking up and then the more I did it was more like okay like Leah you should turn this down a little bit you know like it was it was after they created that safe bubble for me that I started poking at it and when it came close to bursting I was like all right all right you know maybe it's a little comfortable in my sense like I need to tone it down see where they're at before I give them all my ideas um so it's it's a learning curve you know you it's if you're comfortable enough um, it's very easy to get sucked into it. Um, and it's just about being aware of the room at all times and knowing going into every meeting what your place is, how comfortable are you speaking up, depending if it's a one-on-one or a miniature group or a department meeting. Um, are you are, like what how important is it what you want to say? Um, could you come back to it later or maybe sidebar it for a smaller discussion, come back to it with a one-on-one person? Um, it's all about the comfort level. It's all about reading the room. Um, and again, it comes back to trust. If you really believe that what you have to say is going to make a difference for you your, and the company, then it's worth going for it. It sounds like you've got quite the experience in terms of navigating these situations specifically as like a student athlete per se as well what would you tell someone that wanted to follow in your footsteps maybe they are playing tennis or another sport for that for that case really what advice would you give to that person um first of all thank you because it's taken me a long time to get here um and it's definitely I'm definitely still a work in progress um but again one of the my one of my personal goals going into college was to be myself and to trust myself and to learn to like myself and and to see how people liked me you know and to adjust in a more social aspect because it's not the easiest thing especially growing up in tennis where you play with people all week and you're all friendly and la-di-da and the world is beautiful and then you compete and want to rip each other apart on the weekends it's very difficult um to navigate so I it's definitely been a long journey but it's been probably my sole focus or my top priority year after year since starting college so I appreciate that it's being recognized very much um and as for anyone else who's looking to find that voice within themselves and to get into the rooms or not doesn't necessarily know where to start but knows that they want to um I would say 
yes to everything. I don't think there was a time I ever said no to an opportunity, to joining a club, to going to a study group, to, you know, playing a match. I mean, obviously I said yes to every match. I was like the person you had to drag off the court, but you know what I mean? Like say yes to everything, unless your gut really believes it should be a no, it should be a yes. If it's a maybe, it's a yes. You can always, you never have to join the club. There's no commitment. You never have to join an internship full-time, you know, maybe it's like one or two weeks or like a semester thing, but it, it comes to an end. You don't have to continue pursuing it. And until it's a no, you don't know that it's a no. You have to try it in order to narrow down your options, see what you do like, see what you don't like about it. Was it the people? Was it the work style? Was it the workload? What is it that you didn't like? And how can you move forward from that? Um, the best way to learn about yourself and to trust yourself and to make yourself comfortable in these uncomfortable situations is to keep putting yourself there. So I would just say yes to everything. How important is it to get that level of training you know the repetition the constantly saying yes going to the clubs meeting the people playing those matches I mean I imagine tennis actually being part of that training because if you let one point impact you you could lose the game or the set or the match or because of that one thing that you didn't let go how important is it to get that level of training um, yeah, tennis is definitely one where the momentum constantly shifts. There's a reason there's five hour, you know, powerhouse matches. And there's a reason there's 45 minute wipeouts. Um, it's, it's very important to just keep going for it. And it's not necessarily the training or the experience, but it's, it's the effort, um, and if your heart, if if your passion, if you really, really want something, you you're either going to back it up with all your effort and you're going to go for it and you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to get comfortable being uncomfortable or you're going to have this urge inside you and it's going to eat you alive. So I don't think there's any in between. You're either going to die a little bit every day from not going for it or you're going to risk it all and feel the most intense emotions of all time and you're going to feel like you're improving and getting closer um, with every step that you take so it, it it's not necessarily about how many internships you had or what your experience was or how long you've been playing the sport for like I said I did not come out of the womb holding a racket you know I, it was very much like a recreational thing to begin with and here I am now like a collegiate or former collegiate athlete working in tennis um and it's just it's it's about going for it if you if your heart is leaning towards one thing if you really believe you can do something you you should absolutely go for it and you should try to meet as many people as many companies um as many avenues that that do that it also sounds like if you're engaging in that world that it can be easy to struggle or to lose yourself in the industry or the conversation or the job like it sounds like you move so quickly for so long and it must be so easy to forget yourself a little like you, you forget who you are and things of that nature it seems like you're able to hold on to that quite well how would you 
manage that? How how did you manage it? How did you help the people listening not lose themselves, lose their identities in their job or their career or their sport and training and the constant grind every day? That's a really, really great point. Um, I, it's going into the tennis world is definitely not all rainbows and butterflies like I had initially hoped. And you definitely lose yourself in part of it because you get so in tune to the grind and the commitment to the job that you signed up for and that you wanted um, that you kind of put aside your goals and what you want to accomplish. And, you know, it, there's, there's busier weeks, there's not as many busy weeks, but, you know, tennis is a fluctuating season to begin with. Um, but you learn there, there, there comes a point where, you know, enough is enough. I'm, I'm giving so much and I don't feel like I'm winning in return or getting anything in return. And it's about learning how to find the wiggle room at your job. So for example, um, the job that I was originally hired for was all things tennis channel plus. So everything on the streaming side, um, similar to ESPN plus, you know, we were the ones who started it. I hate to break it to you guys, but we started the whole streaming thing, um, with tennis, um, because there's so many more matches than what you just see on cable. So everything that you pay us money for all the matches that you want to see, the replays, the highlights, all that fun stuff. I was basically in charge of, um, and it was very difficult. And after, and it's a system that you get into and the hours are constantly changing. Um, but four five, six months into it, I realized that I kind of put aside all of the tennis goals that I had um, in order for this job. And, and as much as I'm thankful for it, I also wanted to make strides and, and continue learning and growing in an avenue that I wanted. So it became very apparent to me that I was missing something and that I wanted to find um, a way to incorporate more. So I did end up taking on more responsibility. I voiced passion for other parts. So now I'm also in charge of newsletters and I help publish a digital magazine. Um, I even write for tennis.com and baseline. Now I cover events for them. I I've expanded my network. I even hosted um, a new show with them that got picked up that we're, you know, planning to film more episodes for in the hopefully distant future, near future. Um, but I've really, I've, I've made it apparent that I want to grow with them and that I have more hands to give to them. And I want to be an all hands on deck person because every one-on-one -on -one that I have had with my boss, it was like, yes, I'm very happy with where I am and the opportunity in front of me, but I also don't know what it is that I want to do here yet. And the only way for me to know that is to try everything. Um, so um, my role now is like 10 X what I started with, but and it's still a give and take. I'm still everything that's on my plate is not necessarily, you know, rainbows and butterflies there, too. There are things on my plate that, you know, I very much wish I didn't do or there should be other people helping me out or, you know, but you learn the avenues that you do want to take and what you don't want to take. Um, and for me personally, I also realize that there's a lot that I want to build in terms of my tennis ground and my reputation, which is where my personal brand came in and why I've been pushing um, parallel, I've been trying to grow myself um, with Tennis Channel um, and to kind of set myself up as a tennis personality for the future as well. So what's next for you then? Are you, have you got goals yourself? What's the future like? And how, how do you see 
tennis channel playing a part in that as well as what do you have in the works for yourself? Uh, it's actually really great timing that you asked this question because um, my role is getting not under review per se, um, but there's kind of a whole department mindset shift at the moment. Um, and my role will definitely be significantly changing in the next, I want to say, four to six months. So that's very exciting. Um, during this period, I'm also taking advantage of the fact that they're switching things up and I'm voicing my preferences. You know, this is kind of it goes back to, you know, how to be pushy without being annoying. Like this is the time to be pushy. I'm going to voice what I want to do, what I enjoy doing with you guys, how I can help you, but how you can also help me. Um, and I'm very much taking advantage of this window and growing my personal brand on the side, making more videos, being more in tune with the tennis world, keeping up with the news and what's going on and how I can shape the world. Um, I'm also working on a few projects by myself over here, you know, getting headstrong about how I can make those happen and where to pitch them to, or if I do them myself or, you know, my brain is constantly turning on how to keep my foot in the door and also make my way into the room. I feel like now I'm already there and now it's just about finding the space in the room that I belong. Is it in the middle of the dance floor with all the lights on me? Is it to the side conversing with other people still working my way in? Am I very much still by the coat rack still signing in and looking for my place card at the table? You know, um, it's, it's learning about where in the room I want to be and how do I get myself more forward? Um, and it's really exciting. There's a lot of cool things that I've learned about myself and where I'm at. Um, even personally, my brand, I didn't think that I was as far along as I am or as seem to be. Um, and there's definitely some recognition for myself that I've been receiving, not necessarily with my work with Tennis Channel, but for myself. And, and that's pretty exciting. And that's like the little energy boost that I needed to kind of kick myself into gear in terms of what I want to do in the tennis world. As a little bit of a, a shift to one side, Leah, what is your, I guess, best thing about tennis, whether it's the tennis channel, whether it's tennis as a sport and an industry, and what would be your, your biggest like pet peeve as well? Great question. Um, tennis is definitely my, has been my entire life, a love-hate sport and relationship. Uh, the highs are fantastic and the lows are disgusting. <laughs> um, and that goes for the playing side, the training side, the working side, the world side, you know, even following your favorite pros, you go through their ups and downs too. You know, you find yourself in a player's box, so to speak, um, rooting for them and and fighting through it with them and and knowing the training and all the work and, you know, the frustration really hits home. So, uh, the biggest pet peeve would be those low moments and realizing that the tennis world on this end was not as beautiful and, you know, serene as I thought it would be. There's definitely, it's a reality check, but it's work. Um, there takes a lot to get things done um, and make sure that fans get to watch these matches and to be in the know. Um, and it's, it's bittersweet to know that side of it and to get to try to improve that side of it for the tennis fan experience but um it's definitely for the better that i'm here and i've exposed myself to it 
what about the the best thing? What's the best thing? Whether it's working for tennis channel, whether it's your own tennis, or just as an industry. So I for for myself, the best thing about tennis is how inclusive it is. It's how it doesn't really matter who you are, where you're from, anyone can pick up a tennis racket. That'd be mine. So what what would be yours? I love that. Um for me, I would say it's when you meet other tennis players, um, especially those who have played in college, but tennis players of all ages, skill levels. And there's just a level of respect between each other. Um, You know, you find out you play tennis and it's like, wow, I know what you've been through. I know the dedication I know what it takes to get on that court and to perform a hundred percent even when you don't have a hundred percent to give I know what it's like coming down and trying to believe in yourself when it's literally love five love you know you're in the second set and you're about to lose and it's match point for the other person like still trusting that you could make a difference um and it's it's the level of respect that you see among tennis players um at any age at any given moment there's it's I don't know if it happens with any other sport I'm sure it does to some extent but I think tennis players are a different breed I've said that my whole life we're a different kind of people and the way we um the way we hold ourselves the way we uh trust ourselves the way we move about and adapt to the world around us it's something special and and there's an immense respect that goes to it and it's really it's always fun meeting another tennis player you you almost know immediately it's it's pretty cool <laughs> I love that I think I think respect is a it's a strange one because it's such a difficult sport to play really well is one of the hardest sports that you can go from okay well can I get it over the net yeah okay but how do you get it over the net like does it was it quick did you make much of an effort or do you just tap it in the strings just so happen to be po- points in the right way uh, I, I think it's such a difficult sport to play really well. It's not like, so you play football and you think, yeah, okay, the top teams in the world, yes, makes sense. But most yeah. people can can kick a ball. Most people can can play formulated team. It's soccer for those who don't know. And that that's just seems like so much easier than trying to be tournament ready when you're five and six years old, which you can be, is probably how the, the pros yeah. have got there. It being that good that you can compete at six years old five years old so it's a whole different level of play altogether absolutely I I just think about it when in your day-to-day life do you toss something up in the air and then try to hit it with something no in no other way of like unless you are a volleyball player you do not practice the serving motion of tennis ever in your day-to-day life sure you can reach for the top cabinet in your kitchen but you didn't throw something up there and you're trying to grab it you know like (laughs) it's you it's a skill that you and a technical aspect that you're literally learning from scratch that someone decided was the best way to play tennis and you're trying to figure it out for yourself um absolutely it's it's a wild wild sport um it's it's absolutely it's also very much underestimated my entire life you know I've been known as the the tennis girl but it's like what does that mean no one's coming to tennis matches they're going to each other's soccer games and football games and volleyball games and basketball games but they're not coming to watch tennis I got into a whole argument with my high school principal about why tennis was not in the pep rally 
And by, when I say pep rally, I mean, we had one in four years. Like we were very much not the pep rally school. We're the small little thing at the bottom of a hill that calls itself a high school in the best way. Um, and we had a pep rally for volleyball and they were, I think, in the semifinals of some sectional tournament when in that same season, we had won our sectionals and we're heading to the state championships. And we're, if you look at the the sport history and the, the school's um, you know, results. Tennis was by far our best sport for the past 30 something years. There is a program built there with young women of substance that just amplifies what sporting can be in high school. And I got in an argument with him. I said, we should be in the pep rally. We should not just be like waving to everyone and like wearing our uniform, but we should be recognized for what we're doing and the kind of people that we have on the team and the program that we've built because it's it sets an example. And my principal told me it's not a spectator sport. And he's not wrong. Tennis is not a spectator sport unless you like tennis. If you're not watching the match in real life, you don't feel that intensity. You don't know how to get into it. The scoring is all wacky. You know, it's very difficult to get into it. It's very underestimated. It's it's one of those sports that you think you can pick up at any point. And it's true. You can pick it up at any point, which is why it's a beautiful thing. Also, you can play it all your life. You don't need 17,000 people to play tennis. You need one. Um, but it's always, I, I felt like I've always been proving that tennis is difficult, that tennis is worthy of your attention that the people who grew up from it are a different breed and i say that all the time because it's true and i feel like unless until you're in the world of sports you don't recognize it and especially until you've tried tennis and really given it some thought you you won't appreciate it for what it could be i think that's a very interesting point when we're trying to get other people involved in something they'd likely have to feel some kind of connection with them that we have to be able to relate to the sport and relate to the people playing and I found that tennis has a particular different way of reacting to people like most people simply can't relate to the top 10 top 100 top 200 they're just so much better than everybody else me even the top five they're on a different planet mostly where most people that can play some sports to a particular standard they can relate to the people on the pitch in some way because they all make mistakes and they all make strange decisions in the moment and all of those things where you watch some people that play tennis some athletes that play tennis it seems like they just never seem to get it right or the other person was simply too good so there's like forced errors unforced errors that sort of thing it can put people in a strange position where even if they lose there's a chance the other person was just better than them on the day and that's the kind of the mindset of the person that lost in that nothing really that you did wrong is that the other person was simply outclassing you the entire time and it's it puts the people watching in a different frame of mind because most people struggle to play tennis generally or they don't like it or they can't get into it or it's one of those sports where you're bored before you get good you know if you understand what I mean you can't yeah. play it to the point where the time that it takes you to learn it and get good at it you would rather just go and do something else yeah absolutely uh it's very different going to a one-on-one -on -one boxing match 
than it is to a singles tennis match. You know, the atmosphere is different, the crowd, the intensity of the stadium, the pressure on the players, you know, in, in both aspects, it's about how you're, uh, how you're prepared for the, for the match, the opponent, um, the game, how, what your skill set is like, how well do you know your opponent? What, how confident are you today? Did you wake up on the right side of the bed? Um, And then it's also about the crowd. Who are they cheering for? What is the atmosphere that they're bringing to the table? You know, in a boxing match, it's very much yelling and screaming and like in the best way, just passionate people voicing that they want to see a good fight. Whereas in tennis, it's a calm, uh, tranquil, you know, respected atmosphere. It's like, I'm, I'm going to observe this high performing match and I'm going to root and cheer as I see great points and my player wins, you know, it's, it's a very different community based sport. The atmosphere is just entirely different compared to other individual sports and to other team sports, especially team sports. Um, it, it's it's really difficult to get into. And unless you like someone on the inside, I'd say you're probably not going to give tennis a shot, um, which is why also in my personal brand, I'm not trying to be just another face in the news, in the tennis news world. I want to be someone that you can remember, that you can, uh, that you feel comfortable with, that I'm like your tennis friend, you know, I, I want to be memorable. I want you to want to see me and to, and like hearing me and my quirky comments and my personality also in the tennis world. I, I, I li- I'd like to combine the two. And so I create this sort of atmosphere of tennis that you want to be a part of, not necessarily just for tennis fans who are already there and to prove to them that I'm worthy of their time, but also to get newcomers and who are sporty or like are like watching sports um, or maybe don't know anything about sports, but just like the sound of my voice. I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying to be more than just another isolated tennis face and and trying to build this community of young tennis fans. Um, I say young, but I mean that for all ages because everyone's welcome over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's oh. youthful. <laughs> yeah, definitely, in their own unique way. Yes. What What do you think it would take for tennis to be more, I guess, viewer friendly? You know, people that can just go and play and on all those th- sorts of things. I actually heard there was mini tennis as well, which only adds to my excitement, knowing that you could be full-grown adults playing with sponge tennis balls over miniature nets and it all be a bit more, I guess, inclusive and allow everyone to play. Um, what, what else do you think it would take for people to start to play tennis and also stick with it? Um, yeah, first of all, the sponges and everything, like those are fantastic. They're a lot of fun for any and all skill levels, um, to kind of break the ice and to get out there. I would say compared to other sports, tennis, every time you see it in the media, it's either a super intense point or someone's throwing a racket. Um, because those are like the greatest two things to ever happen in tennis. You have a really, really cool point or someone's getting really upset and they're putting on a show. Um, Otherwise, it's just a sport 
of 10, like it's just a pastime, you know, and you're just every time the match starts out, for example, like the first three games, the crowd really isn't into it. You know, the players got to get spiced up and heated up before the points can start getting interesting. That's why during towards the end of the match, everyone's tuned in. So I feel like in terms of the media, we can definitely do a better job of branching out and showing a different side of tennis players, maybe a little bit more off the court and like the training and like their passion and they're smiling. And maybe it's like a really pump of like everything happening and going well and the crowd applauding. And there's there's just so many more positive um, avenues and ways to promote tennis and just to share tennis, honestly. Where like in other sports, you you see that all the time. You get a mix of everything. You get really intense plays and moves, and and then you see the fouls and the penalties and all that crazy stuff. And everyone's kind of getting into it and like, oh my god, we were there. It was wild, you know. It's there's there's so many avenues of tennis, but I feel like every time I see it publicized, it's it's really intense and it's very dramatic and tennis fans are here for it, but we need to think outside of tennis fans also. Like what would everyone else like to see? We're, we're very much creating that bubble of like what tennis feels like and what it, you know, and what the world is, but it's so much more. Yeah. I, it's an interesting point because you never see full-blown features or interviews or news reporting on the outfits or who's got a brand new racket today or anything that's a bit more what popular things or what people could relate to or things that make more sense like the idea of okay someone threw a racket they got fined ten thousand dollars or pounds and we all move on like it's it's it's, it's that simple like it's so short lived compared to you know fashion shows of tennis gear or who's got the biggest racket bag or I've got 10 in mine how many have you got 25 oh my god it, makes, <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't spark the emotion as much as it probably could and um, I wonder if it's, it's people like yourself being creative with it trying to dive into tennis from different angles as opposed to just the headlines and that's as far as it goes yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. And other young tennis professionals like myself who are in trying to get involved in the tennis world, um, who are building their personal brands and everything, you, you see that too. They're getting creative. They're the ones creating the funny content and like getting everyone into it and, you know, hopping on those trends and talking about things in the tennis world that you wouldn't think to mention otherwise, or like creating this new vertical of how you're perceiving the sport. And I think it's really great that we're all kind of butting heads, but like saying the same thing um, and working together to kind of build this new culture and this new wave. Well, I'm really glad that we were able to have this chat, Leah. It's been fantastic. For those that want to learn more about you and your word a little bit, I'm hoping that you're more creative than just the headline reading when it comes to tennis. But how can people connect with you and find more about the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Um, if you search up this name with no typos, you should be able to find me in on Instagram, LinkedIn. I did join threads. I am one of those people. Uh, Twitter, anywhere you really want to find me, you can find me. That's the scary and cool part of this world today. <laughs> Um, and yeah, always look out for this name and the bylines for tennis.com. If you want to say hi to Tennis Channel Plus for me, 
give me a hello. I'm always there. Would love to hear your comments and what can be improved because it's always a working progress on that end too. Um, but otherwise, hopefully you'll see my face before you have to look for me. So that, that'll be the goal over the next year. <laughs> Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Leah, thanks so much. It's been great, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much.